Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we're going to be talking about the 2017 Academy Awards that happened on Sunday night and uh, the current season of The Bachelor with Nick Viall. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, who is your favorite reality TV villain? Lucas. Uh, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area. And as I was thinking about this question, I came up with a lot of really good Netflix villains, um, from <laughs> Orange is the New Black to Jessica Jones and Daredevil. But it really came down to AMC's Breaking Bad, uh, Gustavo Frain. Yes. You get did get that I said reality TV. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I completely missed that. Because we're talking about The Bachelor this week. I get it. I get it. That makes, yeah, that makes a ton more sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. That makes way, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So rea- Breaking Bad is not reality TV, is it? No, it's definitely not. <laughs> Thank you God. Sure? You sure? You <laughs> sure? Uh, okay, done. Corinne, is she a villain though? Yeah, she's definitely a villain. Okay, Corinne. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you seen any other TV rally, reality TV besides uh, Chopped? But there are no villains in Chopped. Um, I bet that there is a could positive be. only show. But I haven't seen Chopped, so I can't. Also, speak the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> I will. I will believe that there are no villains there. No villains there. Lawson, what about you? <laughs> I am Lawson Soward, an art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and my. Uh, favorite is the current director of communications for the office of public liaison in the white house omarosa she was wow. did you watch the season with omarosa i did yeah i mean she is definitely a reality tv villain yeah can i go with sean spicer no <laughs> no okay. omarosa was on the apprentice that was reality tv i i made a, a joke <laughs> okay well you should listen pay attention to my jokes lucas because they're really uh, funny Okay, okay. No, I'm do your thing. Do your that thing. That was a good joke. I'm sorry I missed it. You guys I'm can kidding. tell I'm going to do really well at this episode. I'm going to be <laughs> great. <laughs> okay, well, Omarosa was on The Apprentice whenever I was in a small business class in high school. It was an elective, and our teacher was the drill team coach, and our curriculum was watching The Apprentice every week. So Great. I watch Texas The Apprentice every week. Public education system. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that's the only villain I know in reality TV shows. Have you watched any other reality TV, Lawson, other than The Apprentice? I watched season two of the Survi- of Survivor. Okay. And there weren't like any real villains in that particular season. Hmm, and okay. then I watched The Great British Baking Show, which is which I love because there are no villains. Right. Well, I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and there are so many reality TV villains that I could choose that I really, really love. Um, 
My current favorite is of a Bravo reality show right now called Vanderpump Rules, and that's Jax Taylor. Um, The current season of Vanderpump Rules has been really exciting, and Jax Taylor is incredibly entertaining and confusing. Um, His ability to cheat on all of his partners and say awful things about his friends and still remain endearing is quite a mystery that I love to watch. That sounds like a mystery. (laughs) Yeah. So um, before we get into Oscars business and Bachelor business, we want to go over what we're feeling. So Lawson, what are you feeling this week? I am feeling a new documentary, which kind of ties into Oscar business, um, from James Baldwin, I Am Not Your Negro. I saw it this weekend, and it is so, so, so good. Um, I was really unfamiliar with James Baldwin before seeing this film, and now want to see every television appearance he's had and um, become much more familiar with his written work, because uh, every word in this film is James Baldwin's. It's uh, narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. He lends his voice to it. Um, But the writing is exquisite, and in uh, all of the interviews that they show, all the excerpts they show of him being recorded um, from when he was alive, especially during the Civil Rights Movement, um, his uh, the lyricality with which he speaks, it's like a waterfall. It's like he has um, an entire paragraph better than anything I could craft in a month ready at any given second to spill out of him. So he, he spent some time... Uh, in France, it goes into the fact that he spent some time in France and then uh, famously came back and was a part of the civil rights movement and, and uh, friends with the uh, head of the NAACP, um, friends with the head of the black, or with uh, as well as Malcolm X and uh, MLK. So it's an incredible movie. It's not an easy movie to watch. Um, a movie like 13th leaves you with a more concrete feeling at the end of it like i i know a Mm -hmm. concrete problem and i know something that i can uh work to affect legislation on where i am not your negro just kind of gives you an unblinking look at the problem itself and draw some really great um well not great but uh very powerful parallels with uh things going on today kind of starting in 2012 uh with the murder of trayvon martin uh which had its anniversary five-year anniversary this week uh which feels really crazy um, but overall, it's just an incredible, incredible movie. It's one of the best movies, uh, I've seen this year and, uh, it's, yeah, I, I completely understand why it was nominated for best picture. Um, best I would have been, yes, best documentary. Exactly. Um, and I, I don't know. I understand why OJ made it America one, but we all have the very strong stance like that's TV show. Get that out of here. I think I am not your Negro or, Um, 13th would have made a much better uh, recipient of this award um, to get the Oscar bump because I feel like uh, OJ Made in America already had really good ratings whenever it aired on ESPN and whenever it started streaming on Hulu and things like that. And the exposure that would have come to either of these documentaries based on that would have been really, really good. Um, I I pair them together. They're not interchangeable. Um, They touch a little bit of the same stuff. Um, since they're both talking about uh, the story of America and the story of race in America, uh, for background at least. But um, but I would highly recommend, if you are fortunate enough to live in a place that is close to an art house theater, 
uh, like I am, where it's showing this, see this in theaters. Um, the communal experience of seeing it, the theater I went to was packed. There was a line um, out of the theater wrapping around it um, on a Sunday afternoon. And it was at shoulder to shoulder inside the theater. There were um, parts where people gasped. Um, the whole theater gasped and the whole theater applauded. Um, it's it's very, very good, very affecting. You will not regret that you saw it. Um, I would say if your skin looks similar to mine, it should be mandatory viewing. Um, it's uh, a lot of things that uh, you can be ignorant of um, and that I was ignorant of, and I, I feel very thankful for the things that I am now uh, more familiar with because of this. Um, this, I was very thankful because it, it gave me an interest uh, in, a renewed interest in understanding uh, the holistic history of uh, the movement, the civil rights movement, and uh, all the ways that that uh, translates to the movement and Black Lives Matter and things like that that we're seeing today. So um, see it. It will stick with you and it will change the way you see things and change things that you dig into in internet black holes afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. haven't seen this movie, but I've seen the trailer for it several times at that same art house theater. And I'm very excited that it's out in theaters now and I, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see it. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Same here. The theater we're referring to is the Belcourt in Nashville and they a lot of times will show a movie for like a weekend or something like that. And this one is showing, I think, a minimum of three weeks with like multiple show times um, every day on the weekend. So, And I'm, often like it's being presented with like a speaker afterwards or um, presented by mm -hmm. like a certain community group. And um, that's really exciting as well. Yep. If you have the opportunity to do that at one of your theaters, I would recommend that too because it's there's a lot to unpack. So if you get some experts... Yeah. Um, there at the showing with you that would be awesome my showing didn't have that but i would have loved that yeah. mm -hmm. thank you for that lawson lucas what are you feeling this week um well on a slightly more lighthearted note <laughs> um i'm feeling a new netflix documentary series called abstract the art of design oh, uh it, i really want to watch that i haven't seen it's it yet. it's really good it it takes like short short form documentary is I think my favorite type of documentary. Um, this show takes 45 minute chunks and lets you focus on eight different people from different design backgrounds. Um, so you've got like Tinker Hatfield, who was a footwear designer for, for Nike. Um, S Devlin, who's one of the stage designers for, uh, Adele. Um, it's got photographers, interior designers, uh, automotive designers, architects, that kind of thing. And so it just takes each of them get an episode to kind of tell you a little bit about what their life is like and what their thought process is like. And I feel like a lot of design documentaries are very minimalistic and driven kind of towards designers and which can be very boring for everyone else. Um, but this is really just having everybody embrace what it is in their life that is designed and what that's like. And so it's very quick quick paced. It's snappy, um, very great visuals, a lot of great transitions. It's quick. Uh, it doesn't feel like you've, you've been watching a documentary for 45 minutes. It's really great. So I would, uh, I've only watched the first two episodes, but I'm real excited to wrap up this show. Yeah. It looks so good. I'm always so fascinated to be able to find more people like that who are just huge in their field and the documentary, uh, oh, medium, really lends itself to being able to dive into that in a way that's excellent. Like, I'm sure I'll feel like it was 45 seconds through every 45 minutes. 
Yeah. It just looks so yeah. good. It's really great. Yeah, Lucas, you made that sound very compelling because this is a topic that I'm definitely interested in as I'm like very friends with a lot of designers and mm-hmm. I feel like I run in a social circle where that's an important aspect of our lives. Um, but documentary series always sound interesting but not like compelling choices to be right. made when it comes to like right. the viewing calendar. Um, yeah. <laughs> so hearing that it's like kind of fast paced and really interesting mm-hmm. really makes me want to just like start it right away. Yeah, I was really surprised by how engaging it was. Just right off the, right off the bat, it it kind of draws you in, and there's lots of bright colors, lots of fast paced movements. It it really kind of pulls you into that world. It's awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I whenever I saw the documentary for Helvetica, I realized, oh, if you have designers making a documentary. Absolutely anything can be beautiful on screen. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. All right. Well, thank you for that, Lucas. Um, My pick for this week is not a documentary of any kind, um, unlike the two of y'all, but it's (laughs) a a movie that came out in theaters this weekend. I got to see Get Out, the directorial debut uh, from Jordan Peele. Um, I've been... Is it living up to the hype? (laughs) I would say it's definitely... It definitely lives up to the hype. For some background, um, I never watch horror films at all. I actively avoid them. Um, Corroborated. Yes. It's, it's something that like, I, I'm, I have no interest in. I, um, even movies that aren't technically horror, but they seem a little too intense. I kind of try to like gauge whether or not I can handle those kind of movies. Um, but the trailer for Get Out was so good, and I really love Jordan Peele. I think he's mm-hmm. so talented and creative and has a lot of really compelling things to say about comedy and just, like, our world. So to hear that he was doing a horror film, um, making this jump from comedy to horror at, as his first movie was also really interesting to me. And... Um, I was nervous going into this movie, again, because I never watch any horror. Um, I was pretty scared just before it even got started. I really, really loved this movie, and I was so impressed by it. Um, to me, and I know that this sounds like I'm building it up to say this phrase, but to me, it is pretty much a perfect movie. And I don't say that meaning that, like, it should win best picture or it's, um, you know, one of the best movies ever made or like any of the things that you kind of would think of when you hear someone say it's a perfect movie. What I mean by that is everything it sets out to do, it achieves so well, you know, like it really achieves all of its goals. It's creative. It's paced perfectly. It, I think it's a perfect example of what it was trying to be. So it's like Moana. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Continue. So anyway, I really, um, I really loved it. And uh, if if you do not like horror movies, if you're like me, if you avoid um, you know movies of that nature, um, I would say that this movie is definitely scary. It was definitely tense, but it was. If I can handle it, I think almost anyone can. If you can handle like a basic rated R movie. Um, then you can handle Get Out. Um, but that is not to, like, minimize the fact that it is a scary horror movie, you know? And I, I don't want to, like, make it sound like it's safer or simple, because it's not. Um, I think it is incredibly menacing and um, really has you on the edge of your seat the whole time. But it doesn't um, 
play into the same kinds of like gore and jump scares like throughout the entire movie that maybe like your classic horror movie does. Um, but I think this movie is, it's surprisingly funny. It's scary. I think it says some really, really interesting things about the way um, modern white people think of themselves and they're in relation to black people. Um, I don't want to get into any of saying much else because I fear I would spoil it, but um, there's a lot, a lot of, there's some very compelling conversation to be had about this movie that um, we're not going to have today, but I do recommend people go see it. Yeah. I cannot wait to see get out. I, Lindsay definitely falls in the category of, hating horror movies so my hope is that your recommendation sandra will mean that i will not have to go it solo Lindsay, you um, should go see this movie what what yeah um here's my biggest recommendation to go see get out is to definitely go see it in theaters with like a big crowd um typically i prefer to see movies like not with a ton of people around me because you never know like what kind of audience you're gonna get whether you're gonna get talkers or like you never know. And this is the type of movie where, like, hearing people talk during the movie, if they're as long as it's because they're reacting to the movie, is so much fun. I went with, like, a really noisy crowd, and it was, it made the movie so much better. Um, I think you'll want to be around people that are reacting to this movie. Um, and so I recommend going seeing it, like, on a Friday night, if you can. Um because I think that's that's where the fun is to be had. All right, you heard it here first. If you see it on a Saturday, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to be moving on to talk about the Oscars, but before we do that, I think we're going to say goodbye to Lawson because of some scheduling stuff, right? Yes, sorry I have to take off. Thank you guys so much. Your, both of your picks are things that I'm so glad I was here for. I really want to see both of them. All right, thanks, Lawson. Talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. All right, Lucas, we both watched the 2017 Academy Awards on Sunday night. How are you feeling after... The ridiculousness? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I feel like everything else kind of pales in comparison to how the Oscars ended. Set the scene for me. Who are you watching it with? What was your what was so, the vibe at your, at your house? Yeah, so we, we had a big Oscar party, and uh, as... Typical. As soon as it was announced, most people were, were bailing because it was late. It had been a long night. Very long. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, La La Land won, done. And so most people didn't want to. The, the producer's speeches are always, oh. I think, the most boring. Oh, boring. We don't <laughs> um, know who you are. Right, exactly. So so as soon as they announce La La Land, it's like, all right, everybody's out. Everybody starts taking off. I am waiting because I, I assumed Jimmy Kimmel would have one more matt damon joke which i loved the matt damon jokes i was really surprised by but yeah i like the matt damon jokes he did have another matt damon joke planned that's what i heard that's yeah. what i heard and so i was like all right here it comes i'm gonna wait and see and then everything fell apart so i feel like everyone has rewatched this a million times it's like there's a preter tapes at this point right. where we're just going through and just play by playing every little thing that happened um but one of my favorite I thought, tweets of the night was, yeah, this is what sports must feel like. Like, I get it now. I get sports. This is so exciting. <laughs> it's it, it's so true. I and like we everything this year has been crazy. I mean, the yeah. like the Super Bowl, 
um, the the NBA Finals, the World Series. Yeah. Like every sporting event this year has been insane. And let's throw this in with the election as well. Everything. I don't know what's Even going the Grammys. on. But I mean, like that's not quite that's as true. surprising. But Beyonce not right. winning was, you know, something to talk right. about. Yeah. Yeah. So this is definitely. I know this was the. I think the lowest rated Oscars, the least watched Oscars. Um, but man, people missed out. I know. It was great. That ending, that ending was so crazy. I mean, <laughs> I've watched the Oscars every single year as long as I can remember. And yeah. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I remember so we were watching it, it was just me and my friend Linda um on my couch and um I, I started to kind of tune out the, the producer speeches. Um, maybe yeah. started like looking at Twitter, right. you know? Right. Um, and all of a sudden I hear, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. <laughs> and I look up and I see that like, they're saying that Moonlight has won. And it was, it was mind blowing. I just started yelling. I started just in my house, like screaming. Um, yeah. One thing. So I know that we've all like, we've all rewatched the tape. We kind of get what happens. One thing I just found out today, though, that I don't know if you heard about this, Lucas, is so we know that there were two sets of cards, you know, one accountant on mm-hmm. each side of the stage. And that's yep. how the best actress card, a second best actress card went up instead of a best picture card. Um, but have you heard about the guy who handed yes. the card and the tweet? Yes. Uh, wait, which one? The, the selfie? The Emma Stone photo. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a was it a selfie? It I thought a, it was a selfie. I didn't no, see it. It wasn't but... a selfie, but he oh, the guy, the accountant yeah. who handed the wrong card to Warren Beatty, um, posted on Twitter moments before this happened a photo of Emma Stone backstage right after she won <laughs> her award. Which leads us all to believe that he wasn't paying attention to his job. He was too busy <laughs> tweeting about Emma Stone. Oh, and he got man. distracted. Well, he's fired, so. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't think he is because I think he's a partner in the firm. Oh, geez. Of course he is. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, well. But, yeah, it is amazing. Some Another thing that I read was that typically stage managers are in charge of giving mm-hmm. the presenters the cards and that this was mm-hmm. one of the first years where the accountants were doing the handoff. Well, um, back to stage managers. Yeah, yeah stage <laughs> managers don't get distracted by celebrities. Um, yes. Yeah, but it, it was amazing. Um, I mean, I was really excited to see Moonlight win this this win Best Picture. You know, me too. I think we'd all like resigned ourselves to the fact that the Best Picture of the year would not win. Right. And we're just La La Land is getting it. Yeah. Even, uh, we we were we were snappy on a lot of our predictions. We were, we we're like, you know, it could go to this person, but we never once said no. La, uh, Moonlight could pull it out. I know. And <laughs> you know, even throughout the ceremony, there were some you know subtle yeah. shifts where you know La La Land lost editing. Right. And that's like a big right. award to lose. But it um, but it didn't shift to Moonlight. None of these things exactly, shifted towards Moonlight. By the time they were ready to announce Best Picture, La La Land had won six Academy Awards and Moonlight had won two. And right. it's not always that whoever wins the most gets Best Picture. I recognize that. Yeah. But it still mm-hmm. seemed quite likely that La La Land would win. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, for Moonlight to pull it out was such a surprise and so really really lovely i rewatched moonlight last night and mm-hmm. um it was rewatching it 
knowing that it wins Best Picture um, was so... I bet that's a satisfying thing. It really, really was. And um, I got to watch it with someone who hadn't seen it yet. And, you know, they, Oh, that's, that's the greatest. It really yep. was so wonderful. It is... You know, when you watch something for the first time, it's, you know, this movie is so good. But when you watch mm-hmm. it for a, a great movie for the second time, I think that's when you're really able to appreciate, like, what a yep. masterpiece it is. Because you're yeah. not, like, trying to follow a story. You're just, like, appreciating, like, the artistic quality. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was I lots of lots of joy over on our end. Um, yes. Yeah, well, for people who haven't seen Moonlight yet, I know it was it's a smaller movie with a smaller release, which means m- I think most people haven't seen it. It is it is one to rent. I would I uh, so many people watched this movie last night that I that I just that I talked to. Yeah. They're like, "Yeah, I hadn't seen it yet." And since it won, I went and watched it last night and it's it's a great movie. And Everybody, please go watch that A24 movie. A24 <laughs> just announced that it's going to be getting a really wide theater release now. Um, oh, good. It is gonna yeah. it is gonna broaden it the, before the, it goes to DVD. The biggest that it's ever had. So that's great. Um, that's great. Yeah. So people should go see it because, man, um, it's it's so incredible. What were other than the biggest surprise of them all? Right. What were some surprises for you throughout the night? Uh, I think for me, Hacksaw Ridge <laughs> winning editing. Uh, winning winning editing yeah. is crazy. Like it it was it was good. They did a great job in editing. I'm not saying it's bad, but yeah. I mean just one that was one that we thought La La Land was going to sweep easily. Right. Um, and. If not La La Land, then Moonlight. definitely not Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, I thought, you know, if not La La Land, Moonlight would have had that because, right. you know, La La Land is visually so spectacular, but mm-hmm. Moonlight, Moonlight is just right behind it, If you know, in any of those categories. If yeah. we're, we're talking about right. some of like those visual, um, you know, it, La La Land won cinematography, yep. but Moonlight easily could have won that. Um, mm-hmm. we expected it to win editing, but I think Moonlight could have easily won that as well. Um, so yeah, to see, I agree, I agree. Hacksaw Ridge was quite a surprise for me. Yeah. The other one for me was Fantastic Beasts. Oh, I yeah. did not, for, for best costume design. I did not think that that was, was going to happen at all. Right. Again, great, great costume designs. Right. <laughs> um, I think this isn't like a surprise really uh but hacksaw ridge won sound mixing i don't think that's a crazy surprise right. but i yeah so kevin o'connell who who won for hacksaw ridge there that was his 21st nomination and he'd never won before yeah and to see to see him win and thank his thank his mom who who he said got him into the industry and everything like that i thought that was i thought that was really cool that was really lovely um i was not super surprised, but very happy to see Arrival win a sound editing nomination. Yes, yes. Um, one of my favorite speeches of the night, this is on a different tangent, but was mm-hmm. um, the guy who thanked his mom for letting him quit the soccer team. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> such a lovely moment. I love One of my favorite things about the Oscars, you know, we always expect great speeches from, like, the actors and the actresses and maybe and, like, the directors. Um, mm-hmm. But I always love when a winner in a different category that, you know, we don't know who this person is really um, right. surprises us with something that's so charming. And, like, we really mm-hmm. fall in love with that person for a split second that we had never yeah. really known before. Um, and so that was one moment that stood out to me. Viola Davis continues to like 
astound me with her speech giving mm-hmm. skills. Um, oh yeah. After watching her give that speech, it made me really think like she needs to write a new project. Like we know that she can I, act incredibly well. Like let's get her yeah. to write a movie because I, I want her to write a movie and direct it. Absolutely. That's what I want yeah. from Viola Davis. Yeah. I also want her more in front of the camera too, but well, and here's the <laughs> I want everything from her. Is that <laughs> all she needs to EGOT is a Grammy. So really what she needs to do oh, is yeah. she needs to write a book, read yep. the audio book, win the yep. Grammy for the audio book. Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Yep. And then yep. that's, that's the game plan. And then make the that's movie it. about based on the book, whatever exactly. book she writes, of course. There you go. Um, yep. How did you feel about the hosting? How did you feel about Jimmy Kimmel? You know, I'm I've mixed emotions about it. Um, yeah, I think it was more entertaining than several Oscars I've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I didn't. I wasn't super charmed by him though. Um, I thought some bits fell pretty flat, and um, you know, here's the thing that I keep saying: Jimmy Kimmel is a professional. He is yeah. pretty reliable um, to be quick on his feet, make a good joke. Um, and I think that that is really the type of person that's pretty good at hosting the Oscars because it's a pretty thankless job. Um, yes, definitely. I thought anytime he made a joke where someone has a funny name and he would laugh at that, I thought that, that was pretty yeah. lame and childish. Um, yeah. I think that the people strangers coming in on a bus bit was super risky as it was yes. being pressed <laughs> and as it was starting i was just like i hate this this is so weird i really don't like this it yeah. became very charming once denzel got involved um, exactly yes and then once denzel, <laughs> as most things do of course and then once denzel wasn't involved anymore it was like this is going on too long <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. so. They did not wrap it up well at all. No. It just kind of kept going. No, no, so, no. And, and there was too many people. You know, it should have just been like four people instead of like right. a whole bus full. Exactly. Um, yeah. But you know, so I was pretty hot and cold on that on that bit. All mm-hmm. the Matt Damon stuff. I know it's a played out joke, but I always think it's funny. Um, Same. Yeah. <laughs> so, and as one of like the few people that really loved We Bought a Zoo, it was fun to see it being shown at the Oscars, even if it was being made fun of. <laughs> I know. I loved, I loved that. Um, it's not, it's, it wasn't a bit. I mean, for the We Bought a Zoo one it was a bit, but every other bit, one. But like. Right, right. But all the other ones where ones. actors talked about their inspiration yeah, in other movies. Beautiful. That was great. I absolutely, like, Javier Bardem, Bard, Javier Bardem talking about Meryl Streep was so great. Just hearing and, and him like the describe. Pillars, the theories of acting or, or the exactly, yeah, acting, whatever yeah. they were. I was like, I was like, that is, that is great. Yeah. And then to go like a completely different direction and have Seth Rogen talk about um, Michael J. Fox was, was, was great. Cause it's, it, there's so many ways you can kind of take that. It doesn't have to be the most serious thing in the world. Right. Um, but it just shows how much film means to these people. Also, and let me say, Seth Rogen singing Hamilton as part of his presentation oh, yeah. was really funny to me. It was. <laughs> like, you, you could tell, like, you don't. Really... You could tell this was all stuff he loved. Like yeah. he just loved everything about what was happening right there. Right. And in his in his future shoes with Michael J. Fox and the DeLorean <laughs> singing Hamilton. Yeah, it was really. It was a fun time. Um, yeah. So um, let's get down to business, Lucas. Yep. 
Congratulations. You won our prediction contest. I did it. I did it. And you won the bet. Lucas had 18 correct categories. I had 17. Lawson had 14. I really screwed myself over with that best actor risk that I took. Oh, was it the best actor risk? Or was it the best documentary short risk that you took? It was truly both of them. But um, (laughs) I will forgive myself because I didn't see any of the best documentary shorts. But yeah, so I think that's an easy thing to lose. But yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a close call. But congratulations. I'm looking forward to finding out what movie you have picked out for Lawson and I. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely gonna have to think about it. Okay. My 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 first thought was trolls, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> my second thought was uh, maybe Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> I will but I'm not never gonna forgive you. I'm not gonna make you guys do that. So I, I I've got to think about it, but I will I will come up with something good. Yeah, I didn't say this when we made the bet, but yeah. I should have said I have a strict no like awful human being like abusive actor director <laughs> rule. See, I, I I was very aware that you didn't say that and so originally when we made the bet I was like I'm going to make him watch Manchester by the Sea. Oh. I, it's I'm going to happen, but I can't I can't can't make you guys do that. I appreciate so. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it is also nice that like you aren't a big horror fan. So, you will you Yes, I'm not going to make you watch a horror movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, well, it'll be a good movie. It'll be one of my favorite movies that you guys haven't seen. Great. Okay. So let's move on to a topic that I'm so excited we're talking about. I cannot believe you talked me into this. Guys, I was just hanging out on Twitter one night. You know how I do. And all of a sudden, I see Lucas tweeting something about an episode of The Bachelor that has just recently aired. And I shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't. You, you outed yourself because I was I just like, Wait a minute. Does this mean Lucas has been watching The Bachelor this whole damn time? And I texted him. We can we I found out that that was truth that he has been watching. Um and so I decided we had to talk about it. So Lucas, this is the first time you've been watched you've ever watched The Bachelor, correct? This is the first time I've watched The Bachelor. I have watched one season of The Bachelorette in college with my roommates. Okay, what season was that? I don't know. Two thousand nine, maybe. Who the girl was? <laughs> no, <Okay. laughs> not okay. at all. <laughs> so, so this isn't something you normally do. Um, what made you start watching this season? So I uh, I have a bunch of friends who uh, love to watch it slash hate watch it, <laughs> and I think that's what you kind of have to do with a reality show. But so. It was something I was invited to. I decided that it would be a good idea for some reason. And it's actually been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've been surprised how much fun it has been watching watching The Bachelor. Did y'all do uh, a fantasy draft before? Uh, they did. I did not. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So you've kept I'm coming not... back each week. I, I have. I have. And what? And how I, are you feeling about this I don't this regret season? it. This is... This is weird. So for me, from the only thing I have to compare this to, obviously, because the reality shows that I watch are cooking shows like Chopped sure. and Great British Bake Off, which are very different than something like this. Absolutely. So the only thing I have to compare it to is the one season of The Bachelorette that I watched like seven years ago. And I guess for me, so with The Bachelorette, and this might have changed or I might have 
the complete wrong perception of how that show went. But it seemed like the guys on that show were very aware that they were on a TV show and that this was a competition. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of the girls in this show seem to be very unaware that it's a competition. It's very much them and Nick. It's th- it's them and their relationship with Nick as opposed to them and their relationship with Nick as it compares to the other girls on this show. The only person that see or the only two people, I guess, that seem to understand that dynamic were Corinne and Taylor. And that, I think, for me, makes the best television is when it is a competition, when everyone knows that they're competing against each other. And I don't know. It's just to me, it's not as dynamic as it could or should be. Hmm. Well, I don't know if that's different every season or if I'm reading that wrong sure. or what. So I'm pretty late to bachelor nation as it's called um Mm -hmm. i that's what it's called yes that's what it's called um okay so i started i watched some of ben's season he was the batch he was the most recent bachelor um before nick Mm -hmm. i watched all of jojo's season she was the bachelorette that we just had Mm -hmm. and i've been watching all of this season with nick and i also watched the most recent season of bachelor in paradise um, mm-hmm. which Nick played a major role in. Um, really? Yes. White Bread Nick was in Paradise. Wait, why? I don't understand. What is... He's just... They're, I, they're I don't know why... White. I, like... No, no, I mean, he's just like, not that he's white, oh. just that he's like the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> like, okay, see, that's really interesting. How do people keep said. coming back to him? <laughs> uh, well, okay, we're going to talk about Nick in a second. Okay, um, we're okay. We're going to get to Nick, because he is... Man, we lost, we lost so many people on this episode. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. well, I'll, I'll be positive. We might have gained so many people on this we episode. We have. Bachelor is the most <laughs> popular television shows in America. Um, okay. So, I am... A little bit late, but I'm also a reality TV like connoisseur, so I kind of have picked mm-hmm. up on trends and um, what things are like. I think the tone of the season is very determined by who the bachelor or the bachelorette is and how they approach these relationships. Um, so I think there are some seasons where like it is more competitive based on the tone that's being set or the girls that are being cast or the guys that are being cast. Um, I think... This season in particular, I think that Nick is a very smart and fair kind of person, or at least he tries to be. Um, and so a, a phrase that we've he- we've heard him repeat throughout the season is that, you know, this it's about my relationship with this person and just us. And so I think he's really kind of set the tone for this season about it being about these relationships that he has with each individual girl and not so much about the season as a whole and like a competition. Um, so I think that's kind of what you're picking up on. We should say that we're going to be spoiling um, up to this week's episode of The Bachelor, which included, it's the week after Hometowns. Um, so if you haven't watched up to that, prepare to be spoiled. Um, Get ready. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> So, um, so let's talk about Nick. You don't, it seems like you don't really like Nick that much. Do, do, uh, do real people like Nick? I besides love these, Nick. are you kidding me? No, I love Nick. You, you think Nick is a normal, smart person who has intelligent things to say. I wouldn't say he's normal because who, <laughs> anyone who's been on The Bachelor four times, I wouldn't call normal. Um, but 
I do think he's a very smart person, yeah. <laughs> With intelligent things to say. Yeah, I do. I've listened to what? a lot of interviews that he's given outside of being on The Bachelor. Uh, oh, man. I will also say I think he comes off a lot better and smarter in Bachelor in Paradise than he does as The Bachelor. Uh, I think when you're The Bachelor, you have to be a little bit more diplomatic than anyone else on reality TV because you're dumping people all the time. You know, like you're, yeah. you have the responsibility of all these people's feelings um, and sending them home. And, and so you have to be a lot kinder and uh, about the things you say about them and the ways you talk about them. Um, whereas like on Bachelor in Paradise, are you familiar with how Bachelor in Paradise works, Lucas? No. Okay. Walk me through so it. Bachelor in Paradise is a shorter version of the show happens mm -hmm. in the summer. Um, and they take people that have appeared on the bachelor and the bachelorette contestants, um, that, um, some of them have like caused a splash on those shows, you know, like villains mm -hmm. or people like that, you know, the crowd remembers. Sometimes it's not people we remember. It's just like some random dude <laughs> or girl that like appeared on the bachelor and like, was eliminated like week one and nobody remembers them. But anyway, they take like three or four guys and three or four girls and they put them um, on a beach shore. I think it's like in Mexico and they all live together and try to like make love connections and go on dates. And at the end of the week, like the girls get to give out the roses and there's always like, five guys and three girls or something like that. And so the girls pick which three guys they want to stay on the island. Um, and then the next week, the guys get the roses and there's and they bring in new girls. And so, like, there will be three girls that were already there and they'll bring in two new girls. And so the guys can, like, pick from that. And it flip-flop back, back and forth each week. It sounds super complicated. It, it kind of is. So then at the very end of the show, you have, like, the remaining couples that have stayed on throughout all of the flip-flopping. Um, so Nick was on Bachelor in Paradise. And he was often, like, the voice of reason amongst like a lot of drama that was happening between other couples. He sort of got in some like verbal fights with one of the guys that was on the show that he had kind of a history with from his first season on uh, the bachelorette. And he was just obviously a very like smart, like mature guy, at least in that world. Um, and that's why he kind of became a favorite after that season of bachelor in paradise, because after the first two seasons of the bachelorette he was on, people didn't like Nick. And then he kind of won America over on Bachelor in Paradise, and that's how he is the Bachelor this season. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's not doing a great job, in my opinion. So what don't this you show, like? Any, I, I'm not sure, I, I guess in my head, I'm not completely sure why he's sending the people home that he's sending, in the order that he's sending them. Hmm. And I don't know if that's just a production thing, if that's how this works, but in my head, I huh. feel like I should be on his team being like, yes, this is the correct person to send home. And I get that there's a lot of voting involved and a lot of people like have different ideas behind that, but every time I feel like the, the answer is, mm, we just weren't connecting, so, you know, I sent her home. <laughs> so do you think... That he sent home girls that you, like, wish he would have kept? Not necessarily, because in my head, nobody matches with Nick. That's interesting. Just, like, w watching the show, I'm like, yeah, none of these people work for him. He's going to send everybody home and just still be single at the end of this thing. Well, that is the big threat, is that, like, this show, 
there's always a matchup at the end. And the big thing that they're teasing is that like maybe this season there won't be because maybe oh, absolutely Nick not. Has, <laughs> maybe Nick can't find love. He's been on the bachelor yeah. four times. Like what if it it's cause happen? he's terrible at having conversations with people. Oh. He's not, <laughs> he's not great at this. <laughs> you, I view him so differently, Lucas. I, I am oh, so man. attracted to Nick. Um, oh my gosh. I think he seems really smart and really, yeah, and oh jeez um yeah i just i think he's quite a catch um the way that he's been sending girls home you know it's it's definitely not as traditional i think as the bachelor used to be it used to be you know when you would wait until the rose ceremony and then mm-hmm. girls would go home during a, a rose ceremony right and, and he's just left and right just tossing people out see, it's insane i appreciate that as a woman because I feel <laughs> like what he's trying to do is he's saying the moment he knows this isn't going to happen, he doesn't want to make this girl wait another week to like think about him and, and build him up and think about maybe he's going to, maybe we're going to fall in love and, and then have to go get dressed and go through the rose ceremony. And then um, he's just like letting them loose so that they don't have to like kind of suffer through all that. The problem is, the only time he lets them lose is after they express feelings for him, yeah. which I think is insane. Cause the whole time he's like, I just want to connect with somebody. And in the second, somebody's like, I think I connect with you. He's like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Right. No, you're out. Again, I would <laughs> say that if it's a girl who's just kind of seems like she's just having a fun time being on TV, he's not as nervous about her feelings versus right. if it's a girl that seems like he, she's falling for him which is everybody for some reason then he wants to like spare her um and let her know oh, and man. be up front um do you have so even though you don't like nick you seem like you're having fun with the show what are the things that you do enjoy about this show i enjoy the ridiculousness of it i enjoy the production of it because that's really a lot of what i'm interested in is on the producer side did you see unreal yeah, I watched the first season. Okay, yeah. So all of that kind of wraps into, like, how does it work actually producing a reality TV show like this? Right. Um, and so just, like, thinking through, like, how do the producers view this? Like, how are they trying to manipulate this show? I think is really interesting. I also really like some of the girls on this show. Like, Rachel, Rachel I think, is a really smart person. Oh. And I'm interested to see how they play the game. But what's happening is nobody's really playing the game. They're just saying, I love Nick. Okay. Please pick me. I will say (laughs) Corinne is definitely playing the game. Oh, for sure. For sure. Her and uh, uh, now I just forgot her name. Who's the other one? Oh, Taylor. Taylor. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor. Yeah. Corinne and Taylor, they were playing the game and they knew what was going on. And that makes for good television. Sure. And that and that makes for, I think, a good competition, Yeah. <laughs> whereas nobody else is playing this as a competition. So let's talk about Corinne, because she's been sort of like the highlight of the season. Um, she was kind of cast as the villain early on, um, I think, because a lot of the girls hated her. Trademarks of a bachelor villain is, you know, kind of bratty. All the girls in the house don't like her. The girls start telling Nick about, you know, there's this girl, Corinne. You don't know the real her, you know. So those are all kind of clues that this is the villain character. Um, And then something surprising really happened for me is 
when the show started, I hated Corinne. And then each week, I found her a little bit more endearing. And then by the end of this, her run, you know, she was just eliminated. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of love her. I obviously understand that, like, if I were to interact with her in real life, I probably would not like Corinne. She said and did a thing, a lot of things that I think were obnoxious and annoying. But she really made me fall for her. Um I still th- I think what happened, I think what happened is she's the only one I'm using air quotes, good enough for Nick. <laughs> she's the only one on Nick's le- level. Everyone else on the show is is too good for him. <laughs> I would I I sort of see where you're coming from. I would phrase it a different way and I would say that her and Nick I think have really great chemistry. I think it's like very palpable when they're on screen together. Um, Do I think she's a good match for Nick? No, he's like 35. She's like 23, Um, but, or 25 maybe, but, and she's obviously like very childlike and I think he is very adult. Um, But when they were interacting, obviously they had a lot of like sexual chemistry and she also just seemed like kind of fun to be around that when they went home for hometowns, I feel like she had the best date. Like Nick seemed to have a ball shopping with her. Um, they seemed to really enjoy each other's company. And so like to see, and also when he was breaking up with her, he seemed really torn up about it and not in a, and really like sweet and comforting her. You know, sometimes like sometimes the bachelor, the bachelorette seems upset when they're letting someone go because they don't like to see that person hurt, you know? Um, they don't want to yeah. hurt people. Um, we saw that with Nick letting Christina go. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was felt really awful sending her home because he didn't want to cause her any pain. But I feel yeah. like... And she didn't have a hometown to go to. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, like, I feel like... But him sending Corinne home really felt to me like he was sad to see her go. Like, he was going to miss her. Um, so I think that's, that also bled into, like, why... I fell for her by the end of this. Um, on top of her just saying really, really funny things, um, she is quite a character. And that like spiel she gave at the very end, I thought was just like such a fitting ending for her uh, about how she's like not going to do anything to impress men anymore. And then she takes a nap like she did all season. <laughs> um, oh man. Real quick. I know we've been talking about this for a while, um, but other girls that you thought really stood out that you've loved throughout the season? Um, yeah, so... Rachel? I, and the names are terrible for me, but Rachel, the attorney from Dallas, yeah. um, I think is great. She's a winner. I'm excited she's going to be... What? No, no, just a winner as in, like, a, like as a person. Oh, like as a, oh, you said the winner. I was like, well, no. uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> um, but, so, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next year. I guess, is it, It's not next year, whenever it is. Yeah. The Bachelorette. I'm really excited to see The Bachelorette. So for I don't know, Rachel is announced, even though the show isn't finished yet, and she's still on the show, um, Rachel was announced as the new Bachelorette. And that's very significant because she's going to be the first black person to be either a Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Um, mm-hmm. And so... And I definitely... Go ahead. Oh, go for it. I was just saying, I definitely want to come back and talk and talk about what this looks like for next season yeah. as well. Let's do that now. Um, yeah. But, well, but, oh. but, but here's, here's my question before, before we get into that. Why was, why was she announced so early? There's a lot of theories that are going on about that. My theory 
is that they needed to start casting for the new season. Um, okay. Uh, often they announce um, right after the season ends who the next right. One is. That's what I right. Um, that makes more sense. It does. <laughs> it does make more sense, and that is their typical. Or or if she had gotten kicked off earlier, right. Basically, as soon as she's gone, that's when I would announce. Right. I think that this, this is very atypical, and I think my I think the only explanation is for scheduling reasons. They have to start filming a lot sooner than they normally would have, uh, and okay. I don't know what what those scheduling reasons would be. But yeah. I think they're wanting to get this into production a little bit quicker than they normally do, and so mm-hmm. in order to do that, they have to start casting the men. And in order to yeah. start casting the men, you have to say who the Bachelorette is going to be. because then Do you, though? <laughs> um, I think you do. Because I think a really interesting part of, especially the first episode, is seeing the women that come specifically for that person. Um, mm-hmm. And not just because they wanted to be on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Um, true, true. So, so let, yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk about next season and what that looks yeah. like with Rachel. Well, and so that's another big thing is... Also, if they're going to be casting for the first Black Bachelorette, that we don't know for sure what this casting is going to look like. But one could assume that they're going to be casting a lot more Black men than they usually do. What Um, is what is the ratio usually, do you think? I would say, you know, usually there's about 30 people that start out. Mm -hmm. I would say beginning night, there's like maybe seven people of color Mm -hmm. and then... Probably like twenty three white people. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's just like off the top of my head. I don't know that for sure. Right. Um, right. And so usually there's like, you know, and 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 I would say out of those seven people of color, probably like five of them are black, and then there's there's yeah. two that like are something else. <laughs> um. So yeah, and so we're. It's very. It's gonna be. This is gonna be incredibly interesting to see what the racial makeup of this group of men is going to be. Um, you would hope right. that it would be much more diverse because of that. Um, and it's it's interesting because for I mean, obviously for the past since there hasn't been it's it's only been white people, right? I know that this is the first black no, bachelor. No, but... Juan Pablo. Um, was Latino and he was um, okay. a bachelor, but he's also, okay. I mean, he, everyone hates Juan Pablo. So like he definitely okay. counts because he was a bachelor, but it was also just like okay. very unfortunate because he's like, well, he's <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. But I mean, cause the point is, and what I think where they've probably defended themselves in the past is somebody has to get to a certain point for them to choose them as exactly. the next bachelor or bachelorette. And so it's all about, does does the previous bachelor or bachelorette take someone of color far enough to where they can actually choose them? And they almost so never do. Um, right. When you have like a white bachelor, um, often if there's only if if five out of thirty girls are like black and then the rest are white, and that's simplifying it because there's not only black and white people, but just like for generalizations purposes. Um, Usually what happens is he sends, like, two home the first night, and then the <laughs> other three make it to, like, week three or four, you know? And then Jeez. and then they're gone. And so then yeah. the last half of the season is just all white women or men. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, and so you want, and you want the new Bachelor or Bachelorette to be someone who made it close to the very end. Often it's the 
the person who lost at the very end. Right, uh, the runner up. Yeah. And so um so yeah, so now having Rachel make it this far, um there's a lot there's a part of me that I think Rachel's amazing. Um mm-hmm. and my conspiracy theory brain, the one that watched Unreal and that watches a lot of reality TV, does wonder was Rachel cast at the beginning of the season specifically to be the next Bachelorette? Um, yeah. Was she, cause she is incredible. Um, she's mm-hmm. a lawyer. Her dad's a federal judge. She's beautiful. She has a lot of personality. Um, was she so remarkable that they like cast her knowing that like Nick is going to have chemistry with her. Either Nick is definitely going to have chemistry with her and he's going to take her far or we're going to tell Nick you have to take her far. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're not going to let her get kicked off. Right. Which I think is a smart move on their part. Yeah. Um, because the audience will fall in love with her and it won't really matter what Nick thinks. And <laughs> I, I do want to say it could have not been that at all. And this has just worked out like that is a possibility. Um, is it though? You know, here's the thing. I think there's definitely a lot of manipulation that happens on reality TV shows, but I also listen to a lot of interviews with some of these people that have been on the bachelor. And I do believe them when they say that, like, I think we overthink how much manipulation happens on these shows. Um, so I think, I think they underthink the amount of the amount that they're getting manipulated. (laughs) I mean, that, that could be fair. Um, I, I just, I try to, take a little, I try to think a little bit of both ways. Um, yeah. And, and not put my, you know, not, not lean too heavily on one side. Um, I'm really excited though. The episode with her family was really interesting. Um, we got to like for hometown visits, Nick got to meet her family. Um, one really, really interesting was that her dad, the federal judge was not on the show. Um, Mm-hmm. They claimed he was busy with work. I called bullshit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and say that he just didn't want to be off in The Bachelor. Absolutely. Which makes me really wonder, is he going to be on next season? Yeah. Um, I would say no. You think he's not? <laughs> I, think he, I think he will. I think if she's the star of the show, that they'll get him on screen. Um, I think he. they have a harder time convincing when it's just a footnote in someone else's story. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. I'm excited to find out. Um, so other girls that I just want to bring up real quick because I loved them over the season. Um, my all time favorite from this season was Alexis. Um, she was the really? girl that came dressed as a dolphin slash shark. Yeah. Um, I found her so funny and I was just like itching for scenes with her whenever she was on the show. And we would usually get one at the very end after the credits. They would save her for like a funny bumper. And I just can't get enough of her. So hopefully we'll see her again in Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> uh, would she get sent home like week six, something like that? That's Five? Kinda, right? Yeah. I don't know. She was like halfway through, I right. feel like. But yeah. Um, I, I I think those people are really interesting. And I'm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why... I guess for me with these types of shows, I want to hear more about that person and hear more about, you know, what they're doing with their life and stuff like that, as opposed to them just talking about, about Nick, about the bachelor. Um, I want to hear more of their backstory because I think that helps us root for these people more. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're already, we're already going to root for them, but, um, 
I don't know. I just want to feel more connected with with the cast. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious, Lucas. Are you? Do you think you'll watch Bachelor in Paradise after watching this season? So what comes next? What? So we, do we? Is Bachelor in Paradise next, or is Bachelorette um, next? I think Paradise. Oh, actually, I don't know. I think Bachelorette. I don't know. Actually, I feel like because it. Paradise. Because they they kind of hook you. They kind of hook they you. Really is, do. I mean, with with uh, with Rachel, it's now like, all right, now you got to watch the rest of Rachel's story. Right. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll come along for that. I, and I then don't know the answer. It's to ten that years later, and I'm like still watching this show. Closer, so I feel like Bachelor at Paradise, Bachelor in Paradise would be next. But I feel is like it every summer. I think so, but I think you have to get Rachel's season first before you can do Paradise. So I'm not sure about the answer to that. Um, okay. I think Paradise is a much better and more interesting show. And I think you might appreciate it more because the game aspect of it plays a lot more heavily into that show. Um, okay. Because that's what I want. Yeah. I want a reality show game. Yeah. Because we all know that nobody is staying together for the rest of their life. <laughs> you so. know, a lot of these people do, Lucas. Uh, do they, though? Yeah, we have a couple here in Nashville that is engaged no. um, that met on Bachelor in Paradise. No. Oh, they're engaged? So, yes, they have stuck together for the rest of their life. Well done. Okay. Who (laughs) anyone can, like, break up, like, in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone can. Anyone can. And everyone has on The Bachelor. (laughs) Not Trista and Ryan. They are the original. She was the original Bachelorette, and they're still together. Uh, that's that's a press piece. That's not true. They broke up, like, two years ago. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about the remaining girls. We have yes. Raven, who just had her first fantasy, or partially, we've seen a part of her fantasy sweet night. Um, yep, Arkansas girl. Yes. We have Vanessa, who I think is clearly the front mm-hmm. runner. Um, mm-hmm. special, special ed teacher. Right. I think her, she's been the front runner all season. And then we have Rachel, who we know doesn't win because um, she's the new Bachelorette. Here's the thing. Correct. I have always assumed, because I know she's the new Bachelorette, that she doesn't make it to the final two, because right, what how what fun would that be if exactly you know like if we already know, yep. but I'm just now thinking that I think that this is a long shot. I don't think this is actually going to happen, okay. but there is a chance that she does make it to the final two, and the big surprise is like that Nick like Nick could pick her and she could reject him, or. Nick could, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that would be really exciting. Or she could go to the final two and Nick doesn't pick either of them. You know, like we think, oh, because mm. Rachel's in the final two, Less exciting. he's definitely going to pick probably Vanessa. Um, and then he doesn't pick either of them because that's like been a thing that he's been teasing this season. Um, I don't think either of those will happen. I think what's most likely to happen is that Vanessa and Raven go to the final two and that he picks Vanessa. Yep. Um but yeah, there we we'll see. Um, how are you feeling about yeah. this finale that's coming? I up? so I I'm not sure. So I, I I was definitely under the opinion that Rachel's going home next. But I like your idea of her winning and her saying no to him because yeah. I think that would be a great great twist for this show. I mean, it would. Um, it would be fantastic. But I, I I kind of think she'll go home next. We'll get Rachel or Raven and Vanessa and. I kind of want him to walk away from both of them if that happens. If it's just, I'm done. I'm not even going to pick one. Like, there are no losers. I'm just, I'm out. Right. <laughs> None of this is going to work right. kind of a thing. 
him just come in bawling and just be like, I can't do this. My heart is with myself. And that is it. The end. I definitely think that would be very Um, interesting. Um, We do know that Nick is going to be on Dancing with the Stars next season. So. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Um, I hate him so much. I know. I know you do. Um. How do you feel about Vanessa and Raven? So Vanessa is is great, and I feel like I thought their first I feel like date she's mo- with like the space, you know, anti gravity. thing oh, yeah. was yeah. really yeah. really amazing. Yeah, that that was cool, and I I I think that got it. It let us know her more than some of the other girls better. Right. Um, the early on in the show, and I think now though we're at a point where. I still think she likes him for some stupid reason, but I feel like her family definitely brought up a lot of stuff at, at hometown week where, you know, you have to plan ahead. You have to think through all this stuff. And I think she's thinking through it and he's not. So I'm very curious as to where her mind's at. We haven't really gotten a chance to like listen and talk with her, um, since that happened. So I'm very curious what she thinks because they haven't talked about working or, you know, what their life will be like and stuff like that afterwards. So I don't know if she's as invested as I think we are. I think she's going to gonna hold some resentment. Mm, okay. And what about Raven? Raven's just a child. Yeah. She's just a she child. Really I, it makes me so uncomfortable that this is happening. I know. <laughs> An interesting thing that we found out in this episode was that – so Raven is also kind of funny character. You know, like she – Yeah. Her first one-on-one date – she told that whole story about finding her boyfriend like cheating on her, um, right? Which is, you know, quite a story. And yeah, it's a fun be- piece of information I heard. So you know how at the end of that story she talks about how she took off her heel and started like attacking him with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, apparently in Arkansas they cut out her telling that part of the story out of the what show what aired in Arkansas. Oh, really? Isn't that really interesting? Hmm. Why? Well, because that's an assault. Like, she committed an assault. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I just thought that, that was really interesting. And it's, yeah. Raven's just like, not quite as like your sweet country girl as like, um, I think, you know, a lot of like past girls have been. Um, I think she has mm-hmm. a little bit more like humor to her. Um, and we saw some of that this week when she said that she had never had an orgasm and like that she chose to like share that with Nick as part of mm. her lead up to her fantasy suite. That that's a producer push. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I think it's, I'm trying to decide how true it is, you know? Um, On a scale of yes to no. <laughs> well, cause here's the thing. She uses the phrase, I've never had an orgasm. And then she says that she's never had an orgasm with her boyfriend when she's talking to Nick. And those are two different things. So I'm very yep. curious about which one is true. Um, I think the producer handed her the script and said, action. This, I feel like this season is a lot more sexually explicit than most seasons are. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And I think that's because of Nick. I think Nick is very like blunt and honest and, um, so, like, normally in other seasons, what I've kind of gathered is that you have the fantasy suite night, and everyone knows what that means, but it's not ever explicitly talked about. Like, 
It's just kind of implied that, like, the two of them are going to have sex for the first time in the fantasy suite, but no one ever really, like, says it out, says it out loud. Um, then we had the season with Andy, who you met in this episode, um, mm-hmm. and Andy and Nick went to the fantasy suite together in her season. In the reunion episode of her season, Nick asked her, he's like, if you were going to break up with me, then why did we make, why did you make love with me? Basically, like, saying out loud and admitting the fact that the two of them had had sex, which is usually never done. Um, so it caused, like, quite a stir. Scandalous. It really was. And it caused quite a stir, and Andy was very upset about it, and the guy she ended up picking was very upset about it. Um, the fact that, like, he really said it out loud, that they, the two of them had mm. had sex. So that's the kind of guy Nick is. Like, he's going to call it out, like, and talk about it. And so, Crazy old Nick. Yeah. So this season, there's been a lot of talk about sex. We had Liz earlier on in the beginning, who he met at the wedding. That they, she he had sex mm-hmm. with her. We've had Corinne, who's been very forward, um, and they've like had a lot of sexual chemistry. Um, and now we have Raven talking about like orgasms. So that's been a like really fun thing for me to experience this season is like having sex be something that they're okay with talking about and trying to break out of like the more traditional views that the bachelor has had in the past <sighs> has the bachelor had traditional views though i mean i know it wasn't something that they talked about but has the actual yeah. like actions of the show so, changed so i think the bachelor is super interesting because everything that is inherent to the bachelor is not traditional like it's never right the phrase is never used but it's really like an experiment in non-monogamy you know like this is like a polyamorous right. show essentially it's right. about like this one guy or girl who's having several relationships with lots of different people all at the same time um right so that is not traditional and yet at the same time they have this very traditional air about the show you know they're always asking fathers for permission to marry the women um so that's like a something that still happens that's kind of odd in this circumstance. You know, the fact that he asked four different fathers for permission right. to marry four different girls was And they all said yes. They all said yes. <laughs> it's weird. And it made me think about how like if there's a bachelorette, does that mean that like this one dad has two different guys ask if he can if they can marry his daughter and that dad has to say yes to both of them? You know, that's really weird. Um, there's like often sometimes like a virgin is cast and like that is an aspect of the show that gets talked about. Um, and there's just a lot of very like traditional, I think views held by a lot of the people that are in the show. Um, even though everything about the show shouldn't be traditional. I think like that contrast is really interesting. Yeah. So I want to see if there's anything else about The Bachelor that you have just, like, had on your mind that you're excited about or nervous about. I guess I'm nervous that I will get hooked on this thing, and I'm going to watch it for the rest of my life. Yeah. But I mean, it's going to – I mean, I, right now it's looking like it's going to happen, so. I and listen to a podcast <laughs> about it every single week. I won't, I'm not going to go that far. I won't say that. We'll the see. I'm doing a podcast good. about it. We're... <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good podcast. Um, it's on The Ringer, so – Sometimes Bill Simmons. Oh, man. But I love this show. I never thought I would. You know, I I didn't watch it for years. And then I kind of started watching it because I had coworkers that watched it. and It was fun to chat about. And now Mm -hmm. I truly see, like, why it is so fun to watch. 
and I'm hooked. I'm in. This is a whole new world for me. Yeah. This is this is a, this is a different. One, so. you know, first I get you started on The Bachelor. Next thing, I'm gonna get you on some Bravo shows. We're gonna slowly oh, roll no. you into this, Lucas. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. I draw the line at Bravo. Honestly, though, though, Lucas, I think you would love Million Dollar Listing. Where they just look at like amazing real estate in LA. Okay, now that sounds amazing. Yeah, you would love million That's... dollar listing. I actually actually do kind of want to watch that. I'll send you some clips. Especially especially if they're only a million dollars. Well no, that's it, a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> That's Oh yeah. Got it. <laughs> it's like usually like multiples of millions. Oh, that sounds that actually does sound like a lot of you fun. Like I might actually have to watch that. The the people it's, Is it dramatic though? No, Are there a bunch of crazy it's, it's people running like, around? It's, it's like charismatic real estate agents. And like there's some interpersonal drama between them, but that's like not a huge plot to it. It's mostly just these charismatic real estate agents trying to sell insanely beautiful houses. Mm. You would like it. I'm I would like that. Yeah. Okay. I I actually changed my mind on my reality show villain. Oh, what is it? Because I forgot I watch HGTV. Okay. And it's in House Hunters International. The villain is always house number two. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Boom. All right. Well, I think that's a great place <laughs> for us to end. If you're watching this season of The Bachelor, let us know so we can prove to Lucas that there's plenty of us out there. Um, prove it. You, prove you can it. talk to us um, on Twitter at Feeling It Pod. You can talk to me on Twitter or any other social platform at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. You can find me on Instagram at Lucas and Stuff. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lucas and Stuff. You can find me on Snapchat at Holtog. So there you okay. go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Adios. That was fun. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 